0: If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome back to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a guy in sports talks to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like that's just not sports. I am your host, Brad Burke. I am a sports marketer in very frigid and snowy Chicago. Quick shout out to all the people plowing roads out there. That is a thankless job. That is a difficult job. Uh, quick addendum, quick shout out to all the people doing that, except for the person who does my street. I live on a cul-de-sac and I'm at the far left end and they have left the world's largest pile of snow right in front of my driveway, which quickly froze into a pile of ice. And now I literally can't get the cars out of it. So, uh small complaints department again those are the true heroes out there with the plows and the uh salt for the streets but still come on just push can you push that in front of my mailbox i'll i'll go without my mail but i don't want to go without being able to get to the store all right enough about the weather let's get to the show my guest today nick sundberg the long snapper for the washington Redskins. The the very much tenured, I believe he's been in the league for the last decade, long snapper with the Washington Redskins. And this is a lot of fun. Nick is one of the NFL athletes who is nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year honor. And, and when I say honor, I really mean it. I, I've been lucky enough to have uh, uh, you know, a friendly uh, relationship with uh, Charles Tillman here on this show. You remember some stuff we've done together. And I remember when he won the Man of the Year Award, it was like, I mean, he won 10 Super Bowls. I mean, this is something that for the athletes in that league who give back, who care about their community, it is an enormous honor. And and I wanted to break down why Nick is a nominee for this award and spotlight some of the charity work that he's doing. Because I think it's really interesting and unique. He does a program called Loads of Love, which, if you couldn't tell from the title, uh, is about installing uh, washers and dryers in school so that kids who are uh, potentially challenged at home, low-income, lacking resources, lacking opportunity, have a chance to at least bring in their laundry and have clean clothes for school. Now, one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to this topic is because... I've done a lot of different programs within schools, you know, working with the leagues, working with athletes, working with uh, teams where we've done charitable donations, or we've done uh, school breakfast programs, or we've done after school programs or developing sports uh, sports opportunities, youth sports in communities with schools. And I've just seen firsthand, enormous impact that efforts like this can make. And I also think it's a really unique take on this. You know, I think a lot of people, when they think about athletes making charitable donations, athletes having foundations, they kind of feel like, oh, great. You know, they they kind of hide some money over there, make some grants, make some donations, whatever. Nick is like in the schools, (laughs) helping them figure out the logistics, and he's doing something that I think people take for granted. He's giving kids an opportunity to come to school confident, to come to school feeling good about themselves. I think it's a really unique effort, which is why when I ran into it, and I ran into him being a nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year for, I believe, the second time in three years, I I, I hit him up and I said, why don't you come on the show? Let's talk about it. So we're going to talk about why he got into this, how he was inspired to do it, Coming up with a name, LOL is the <laughs> is the name of the organization and why that was the right tone for something like this. And specifically, uh, we're gonna talk about his his clean clothing style. You know, how's he folded socks? Nick, this is the these are the details inquiring minds want to know. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. It's a nice little entree going into Super Bowl Madness for us and Stick around after. I will be back to distract you. Won't you flow
1: through the stereo? Oh, no. Here we go again. Riding with my friends in my drop-top pins. It's the same the way we do the things we do. And here's another one from the Dirty dog crew. And the crew we be cruising. Rhyming yes, your show.
0: So, look, I've done a lot of work in my career with school programs, um, you know, everything from, you know, school lunches to athletes of the year programs. And so I've just kind of been around the block in terms of a lot of different efforts that happen within school, especially to help underprivileged families. And I got to say, like your program just leapt off the page when I when I kind of ran into it. And I, I love this idea for Loads of Love so much. I've been reading up about it in terms of the origin story and stuff, but I kind of want to walk our, our listeners through that a little bit. So if I, if I have my story straight, it just kind of came to you one night on the couch, correct? I mean, what, what what's the actual impetus for, for this entire program?
1: Yeah, I guess you could kind of say it came to us. Uh, my wife came across an article on social media. Um, there's a similar program that had released uh, their numbers uh, for their from their pilot program on the West Coast. And the, the numbers were outstanding. I think they had like 89% increase in attendance, uh, you know, 90-something percent increase in grades, or, or maybe that was flipped. But um, confidence in these kids was through the roof, participation uh, not only in school but in after-school activities was way up, um, all because they had clean clothes. And, you know, we kind of sat for a minute after reading it and went like, like the first thing I did was Google how much a washer and dryer are right. But like <laughs> this can't be this can't be that, that that expensive. Like and I was so naive about this entire process. But we printed out the article and took it into the Redskins Charitable Foundation and just said, Hey, you no, know, uh I think this is a, a need in our community. Tell me if I'm wrong, but um I'd love to do something like this, like partnering with the Redskins Terrible Foundation and see where we can take this. And they were all in from, from that moment forward
0: the the actual issue itself, and I and I know, um, like you said, you, you kind of ran into the results uh, fairly, you know, fairly early on, and, and that's what inspired you to take action. But I think when people think, "Hey, let's do a charitable program for clean clothes for kids," I, I'm guessing you occasionally run into skeptics or people who just can't believe. How's that going to help the kids? Or like, why is this really an issue? So you kind of touched on it a second ago, but can you kind of dive in a little bit more about what you've discovered for, uh, or what you discovered is the difference that uh, having access to washers and dryers really does for these children who are trying to, uh, you know, overcome a lot of obstacles to their education?
1: Uh, so first I want to answer, you, you asked about, you know, kind of other people's perspective when they hear, or their response when they hear about loads of love. To love. And literally almost every single person I talked to was like, oh, man, I can't believe that this is something I've never thought of. It's very, <laughs> right. very rarely um, kind of skepticism on how this could, could could help because everybody remembers either they went through it themselves or they had a friend who couldn't wash their clothes every day or came, came to school wearing the same thing as they wore the day before or whatever the, the case may be, but everybody has a moment from their childhood that they remember. And... It doesn't matter how old you are, how young, or anything. Everybody has a friend or went through it themselves. So, um, kind of getting people's eyes open has been really, really easy.
0: Actually, I like the way you phrase it up. That you know, it it is kind of, you know, kind of obvious when you think about it and say, "Hey, how come I haven't thought of this before?" And and I was wondering just the actual outputs of this, like the the need for it. Like, what did you discover when you first ran into this issue? Was um, the problems for the children that actually having access to this solves, not just beyond or beyond just getting their clothes clean, but like what that does for them in terms of confidence, attendance, things like that that you touched on earlier.
1: Right. So when we when we really started kind of diving into this, the first thing that we did was we called uh, PG County, which is where our our stadium is located, and we reached out to them. The charitable, the Charitable Foundation does a ton of work out there already, so we figured that'd be a perfect place to start and. When we mentioned, you know, kind of trying to start a program like this, um, they were they were all ears, and they said explicitly, washers and dryers are the number number one thing that we ask for that we don't get for donations. And I was blown away because I was I was one was one of those people that had never thought that washers and dryers were a thing that schools asked for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but once we started diving kind of more into the reason why. Um, Especially where we are in Virginia um, and in Maryland and D.C., uh, uh, homelessness for kids of all ages is a huge problem out here. Um, And I didn't really know the extent of it until we started gathering numbers from from different schools and districts across the area. Um, And whether it's it's, kids that are kind of staying at friend's houses or couch surfing or whatever or like entire families that are in and out of shelters or whatever. Um, there's a huge problem with that in this area. So, um, what we wanted, you know, what we decided to do is start is start building laundry centers in schools and uh, shelters all over the DMP. And what that's what we've seen happen is parents and kids are are all in, and it doesn't really matter the age of the kid, whether it's elementary school, middle school, or high school. They all understand that this is a program that can help their parent kind of ease some of the strain of their parents. So a lot of these kids. Either are in single single parent homes, or you know, homes where both parents are working a ton and just trying to make ends meet, or they're in and out of shelters and that sort of thing and don't actually have access to a washer and dryer. So it's been really awesome to kind of see the kids jump on board and you know, not kind of. We were really worried in the beginning about how people were going to be we were going to react to being asked to be in a program like this, right? Like we weren't sure the the response we were going to get, but we've we've seen really, really positive responses from everybody involved. And that's been really awesome.
0: Yeah. And I I've seen a couple different numbers in different media stories about it, about the actual impact you've made. Do, do you know off the top of your head, uh, what's the latest in terms of the numbers of schools and um, you know, and, and, and areas you've been able to impact.
1: So number of schools right now we're in, well, at by the end of 20 the 2020 school year. So because of our last grant program, um, we've got I think 40, 40 some sites that are in the process of installing right now. Um, some, are, but right by the end of the 2020 school year, we'll be in 23 sites in DC, 21 in Maryland, and 44 in Virginia.
0: Wow, and I mean that's under in just the last two two or so years, right?
1: Yeah, we started in 2017. We piloted in five five locations. We had we. Started in three elementary schools in PG County, where I, in Maryland, and two uh, Sasha Bruce shelters in DC. And so in yeah, in, in a little over two years, we'll go from five to uh, to to eighty eight.
0: And for the people listening who think this is just as simple as hey, great, you cut a check, they get a they get the the washer dryer put in. I, in, in in reading about it, I, I another eye opening moment was like. Oh yeah, all the logistics of this—like schools that don't have the right plumbing setup, or the right electrical setup, or HVAC, or any of that stuff. Can you talk about like some of the actual <laughs> effort you need to act to to go in and, and make this gift like actually work for these different locations?
1: Yeah. So I I said earlier I was I was pretty naive in thinking that you know it's just a washer and dryer and boy I I was naive um, <laughs> when we actually started kind of when we actually started talking to schools about this program and like. I was like, well, there's got to be like a, you know, uh, uh, an equipment room for that the football team, you know, that some that the sports program in the school uses, or there's got to be some sort of janitorial area or something. Um, no, not every school has that. Um, so I completely, I had also completely forgotten about electric, HVAC, plumbing, like you just stated. <laughs> um, and so, you know, one of the bigger hurdles that we faced is cause there are a thousand thousand Title One schools in, in the DMV that are eligible for this program, um, but one of the biggest hurdles that we've faced is finding is finding schools that actually have an, a space available where we can put washers and dryers. Where because so every school is different with how they wash laundry. So some schools, and we kind of let them implement their own way, um, but the, there are three main ways. So at some schools, it's front office members and and teachers on their off period, or you know guidance counselors, or or whoever, that work at the school, they volunteer to do laundry when they have time. Uh, another way is PTA members volunteer to come in and do laundry, and they have, like, scheduled hours where they come in and that sort of thing. And at some locations, the student council actually volunteered to do laundry for the other, for, their, for their fellow classmates. Hmm. Well, we didn't want to have these locations in, like, some basement or whatever where, like. Kids are going to be walking down there. You know, we didn't want it to be dingy or weird or like, like in a bad and I don't want to say in a bad area, but in a in a weird, a sketchy area of the school, right? So like in Freddy, Kruger's, in, in Freddy Krueger's
0: in Freddy Krueger's boiler room. You're like that's not where you want the kids going down to do their stuff, right?
1: Right. Um, it, yeah, we didn't want the basement from Hubble Right. <laughs> so. so um, you know, we wanted it up at the front of the school, like, you know, near the front where if PTA numbers were coming in, it was easy for them to check in, do laundry, do that sort of thing, and they weren't just, you know, walking around the school aimlessly. Um, or if kids were going in and out, it was somewhere that's seen and, you know, easily accessed by staff and that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of schools don't have an, just an open room that has plumbing has, or has the availability to have plumbing, electric, and HVAC that close to, you know, and readily available. Um, so that's been a big hurdle is just making sure that the schools have the the proper, like, room available. And then the ones that do, um, making sure that they have the, the proper amperage and all that stuff going in, um, like you mentioned, electric earlier, and they need water and, and HVAC and everything. And, and you know, finding the right... Washers and dryers was kind of the easy part. You know, if they have a smaller room, we can find stackables. If they've got a bigger room, we can have the bigger ones that kind of sit on the floor. Um, we put up shelving and paint the whole thing and make sure everything looks good and it's not something that, you know, people don't want to spend time in there. There's areas to fold. There's, like, you know, uh, tables and everything so, so that the teachers or whoever is actually folding clothes have space to do so. Um, so, yeah, it's that that's definitely been a hurdle
0: you know i'm picturing you going to like a ribbon cutting or something and then being like hey man you're the strongest guy here we need you to lug these things up like two flights of stairs like you can't get out of that labor right
1: (laughs) Uh, well uh, i had back surgery last august a little two Decembers ago now um so i yeah this whole last year i wasn't I got out of that pretty easily. I pulled the the doctor's note out of my pocket and said, sorry, (laughs) Uh, you're going to have to have somebody else carry this. (laughs)
0: Um, I do want to key on the name, the the Loads of Love name, which kind of abbreviated as LOL, because I've heard you talk about it was important for you to find the right tone and strike the right vibe with it. How did you ultimately decide on on that?
1: Uh, Well, my wife, Floor, has uh, 100% naming right in my house. so. She's way better at me than naming things, so I put her on that. Um, (laughs) And we came up with, you know, in the early stages, we came up with a couple of, of ideas, you know, fresh start, clean start, but all of those imply that you weren't fresh or clean before this, right? So we wanted to stay away from anything that had anything to do with that and kind of come up with something that kids wouldn't be ashamed to say, right? So every kid knows lol every every person on the planet or, or really and at, in, in, at least in the united states knows lol at this point um so we wanted something that would be easy to say and that kids wouldn't be you know ashamed of ashamed to tell their friends um you know hey it's, you know i'll meet you in a minute i gotta go to go pick up my lol it's super easy and um and love the love is just the perfect name for it you know
0: Totally. I, and, I, and I like what you talked about there with, with not wanting to have... I mean, I've seen a lot of like well-intentioned things go awry because people didn't stop long enough to think through and empathize with the people they're trying to help. From that perspective, I want to ask, how much are you actually able to see, hear from, feel the impact you've made? I mean, clearly it's having an impact on the kids, but have there been any sort of interactions that you've had that come to mind in terms of people kind of sharing firsthand like what, what the difference has made in their life?
1: Uh, not as much as I would like, especially because we're in the 88 sites right now. I haven't been to every single one. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we started this last, or when we awarded the grants for this last pilot program, or for this last uh, grant program, uh, what we do for every grant is as soon as the, the grants are awarded, we invite every single location. You know, whoever whoever applies. So for a lot of schools, it's like guidance counselors or assistant principals or principals who apply. So we invite them up to Redskin Park. Um, and they can bring another future or or whoever they want with them. Um, and we bring, uh, people from, you know, staff members from other loads of love sites out and we have a huge question and answer for them to go through kind of, for the people who've already done, gone through the process of installing and implementing and all of that, we sit down with everybody and we go through, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, how, you know, and then it's It's really cool to kind of just sit down and and let everybody brainstorm and and throw questions off the wall, so that's kind of the time that i was, I was able to meet everybody you know ask questions like why did you why do you think this would be a beneficial program in your in your school you know or your or your school or whatever um and I've gone to a few a few openings um done a, done a done a few like actual builds um where we get to go in and do everything from the ground up, um, but we usually have to get out of there before they do the ribbon cutting for those. Um, but the mo- the majority of my interactions are with with um, with staff members at the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of times it's at a, a lot of these schools are elementary schools, so you know you're talking about six, seven, eight, nine year olds, and that's not. I don't want to ask them. It's kind of a weird question to ask an eight-year-old, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, t- but, totally.
1: But uh, usually the teachers and guidance counselors are, and, and everybody are just, they're just so happy to have a program that they feel is, is going to help so many kids in their school. And we've got story after story from whether it's you know emailed in or, or sent to me on Twitter, uh, of different... Stories of kids in, in different programs, programs, and how it's helped. And you know, like kids that are living with um, with an aunt, and she happens to have leukemia, so she's sick in bed all the time. And um, you know, the kid's seven years old and can't do laundry on his own. And you know, and so he just comes in and drops his laundry off, and boom, all of all of his stuff is fresh, you know, freshly washed and folded at the end of the day. And now that takes the pressure off of his aunt, who's going through so much on her own um and kind of allows the community around them to help them in that way
0: yeah i mean you mentioned community and this has been a really strong effort around dc in the areas where you know where you've played what does it mean to you to be giving back to that area um and 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 how does that you know how does that sort of strengthen your own personal bond with the with you know with the region and the people there
1: uh, well, so I, I just finished my tenth year here in Washington, and uh, when I leave here, hopefully not for a while, but um, I want to be remembered for creating loads of love, not for what I did on the football field, right? right. So um, I want this to be my legacy. I want to I want to be known as the guy that went out of his way to try and help other people instead of you know the guy who was a really good long snapper. Um, and I think if that's something that my mom. Was adamant about when I was young. I was always thinking of others first, and she kind of instilled that in me. And you know, I don't want to say beat it into me, but uh, she she was very uh, adamant that that was that's how I I act at all times. Um, and I've just kind of carried that forward through through my entire life. And my wife's been wonderful in in kind of helping me navigate We'd, we'd always looked for um, something to be passionate about. And I never thought it would be washers and dryers. Um, you know, everybody kinda has their own thing and this kind just kinda fell in our lap and I, I couldn't be happier that this is this is the program that we, we kinda latched onto.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned legacy. You're you're up on the short list again for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. I have a little bit of a working relationship with Charles Tillman, who's won that award, and and I know what being on that list means to the players who are nominated and and are recognized for their efforts in the community. Just from a personal standpoint, what's it mean for you knowing how much you know how much the NFL and the Redskins think of? Of what you've done to 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 put you on that list in, in great company.
1: I mean, if you scroll down the list of of winners and nominees over the last you know fifty years now, um, it's it's a crazy list of names that I'm 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 there with. And I mean that that's this is honestly this is the the biggest award that that I could win, and I I couldn't be happier with kind of how the team how the team has supported us from the beginning. And how the NFL is recognizing and uh, kind of honoring the work that we're doing here. Um, I'm so excited to go to to go to Miami this year and 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 be be with the other 31 nominees and and see who wins. But this is definitely uh, something that I'm going to be proud of for the rest of my
0: life. I mean, don't sell yourself short on your MVP chances. I mean, a Redskin kicker has one, so I mean, we're not too far from the long snapper getting uh, getting you know consideration.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I mean that was a nine game season. He hit like six, five game winners or something. I, I get it, but uh, I think my odds of winning MVP are pretty short.
0: <laughs> I did love the cleats you had on this year. With like you had a couple different variations, uh, branded loads of love. The one with the bubbles really got to me. What's it going to take for us to get that on like Steph Curry or LeBron? You know, sometime this season. Like, how do we how do we make that thing go even beyond just you wearing them on the field?
1: Well, me and LeBron go way back. Actually, I grew up in in Ohio. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were you you, were, you you and Maverick Carter were like basically running his career back in the Akron days, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Um, that that's probably a tough ask. Uh, but both those guys are are super charitable. They do so many things in the community. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. Honestly, I bet if we asked, they would do it. That's uh, what kind of guys they are.
0: <laughs> so to end here, I want to end with some quick hit questions about your own personal feelings with laundry and taking care of your own clothes. Cause I, cause I was wondering, like when you, when you devote yourself so much to a cause like this, does it, did it make you think at all a little bit more about just, you know, I, I know on your Twitter profile, you kind of joke, like, oh, you're a clean laundry enthusiast or, or, or whatnot, you know, getting so into this world, does it make you think a little bit more about uh, how you do your own laundry at home?
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, we've needed a washer at our house for like six years now, so I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> I still, so I'd rather it still works technically. So uh, we're we're wait. Uh, I'd rather provide them for other people who don't have any.
0: any right. Uh, so a couple quick hits but, here. Are you are you a fold your socks guy or like a uh, like a roll them? Oh,
1: absolutely not. They uh, just go in a drawer.
0: You, you pick two.
1: <laughs> they don't they don't have to match.
0: yeah i was gonna say uh i i'm uh i i I wish i was more i wish i was better about it um in terms of like taking care but yeah you get you get in a rush that's the first thing you're not gonna take care of
1: oh yeah i I prefer them not to match anyways because people ask more questions that way
0: that's right that's right how about in your life can you think of what's the, the 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 best piece of clothing or your favorite article of clothing you've actually ruined in the wash somehow
1: I mean, when I was a kid, I tried... I, I ruined everything. Um, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I had a lot of Looney Tunes shirts when I was a kid that I loved that I absolutely ruined in the wash. Uh,
0: just
1: not knowing how to sort colors and that sort of thing. <laughs>
0: like, a, like a like a good old school Space Jam shirt that would have been good this time of year with a, the new movie coming out?
1: Oh, yeah. But... So I have them all now, but when I was a kid, that was that was a devastating. As an adult, and in 2020, you can wear pink, and it's not a big deal. But when you're right. uh, when you're 10 year when you're 10 years old in fourth grade, wearing a pink shirt to school it gets ridiculed. So uh So <laughs> my you know my white Tas- Tasmanian Devil shirt that turned pink was uh, was no longer in use after that.
0: <laughs> who who cleans the lint trap? You or your wife? Uh, whoever gets to it yeah in my house it's me like my wife it's like one of my wife's like she's wonder she's she's wonderful in every way, except that's one of her few blind spots It's like she she would she would this whole place would be on fire constantly if it wasn't for uh <laughs> safety net me taking it out of there and then finally are are you a leave your clothes in the dryer and just kind of pick them out all week or they come out hot and you just you fold them up after
1: uh no, they gotta come out right away
0: oh okay how Definitely. come?
1: because uh, then they get all wrinkly if you don't, and it's weird. And you gotta ru- you gotta run it again. It's just waste finish
0: <laughs> Well, hey, look, that, that, that's the end of my personal laundry probing. Don't worry, it's not getting any weirder from that. And I gotta just say, I mean, I, I just I love this effort. How can people get involved? And and to end here, what's your ultimate ambition? I mean, you mentioned just how many more schools you're gonna be in. Uh, but but where do you want to take this? And and how can people help?
1: Uh, so I'll start with how people can help. Um, we're actually, for the spring, we're going to start our, our third round of grants. Um, and every dollar goes a really long way. I think mean, like 15 bucks supplies in one location with laundry detergent for the entire year. So, I mean, every dollar counts. Uh, you can go to redskins.com slash community. And if you click on the donate tab and put loads of love in the comment section, um, that's a super easy way. Um, ultimate goals. I'd love to be in all 1,000 uh, title one school, title one schools in the DMV, um, and beyond that, I want. I'd love it if all 30. Well, there aren't 32, but if every NFL city had a load to Love program, that's that's the ultimate goal.
0: Well, that's awesome, and we're definitely going to be rooting for you there. So, I mean, again, congratulations. It's it's really a great uh, amount of. Uh, again, knowing how. Cumbersome it can be to work in schools and to work uh, and to get not-for-profit stuff off the ground. This is a ton of, of of work that you've done in the in the the years that you've since you started. So, congrats, and we're excited to see where it goes.
1: Thank you so much. Hey, this has been awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yo, Shaq.
0: And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all do interesting things. And then we, the fans, tell them, stop being interesting. Uh, You are being a locker room distraction. Get back to watching game film. And I say enough is enough with that nonsense. Life is just work and the things that distract us from work. So on this show, we celebrate locker room distractions every week by me telling you at the close of the show what's been distracting me. And look. Here's where I got to start. I am in just a sickness hellhole in this house. (laughs) All right? My daughter, my oldest daughter, has strep. The youngest one is like a time bomb. It's coming. Her sickness is coming. And then my wife and I are kind of staring at each other with like those uh, Sergio Leone Western suspicion close-up eyes, just like which one of us is going to get this first. Uh, And this is a time when I cannot get sick. Uh, Super Bowl is a very demanding and stressful time around my office. So I'm just like holding out hope that 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 we're going to be in good shape. But with sick kids and the winter going on, there's not a lot of uh, getting out of the house and getting anything done to be had. So, been checking out ye old Netflix, uh ye old HBO, some some Disney Plus to try and find something to watch. And the thing that I ran into actually on a uh on a recommendation from two-time guest Chuck Klosterman uh, I heard him on Chris Ryan's podcast, The Watch, the other day. And he was suggesting this documentary series from Netflix called Don't Fuck With Cats, I believe is the name of it. All right. So it's not for the faint of heart if you're one of those people that like can't handle anything happening in a negative way to animals. Because it's about a guy who is torturing cats and sharing the videos of it online. Now, they don't... They don't show everything about that, but they kind of um, they kind of get pretty far up. I mean, you don't have to connect too many dots to kind of be disturbed uh, by what you're seeing. And so, I don't recommend it for again for people who just aren't interested in this. But if you're if you're a fan of like true crime or a fan of weather stuff, what, what's interesting about it is it quickly becomes the story, not so much of the of the you know perpetrator, the the killer, the insane person. It becomes the online community that's hunting this motherfucker down <laughs> and saying, "You don't fuck with cats. We're gonna find you." And they're, you know, they're looking at every clue from the room. They're sharing stuff on in like private Facebook groups. They're like hunting around uh, all sorts of you know apps and looking for uh, vacuum cleaners that match the brand this guy has. And it's interesting, you know, it's a, it's like any Netflix true crime thing. It's like one episode too many. It's like, could this just be an hour 45, like a tight hour 45, you know, instead of three plus hours uh, and multiple episodes? But I digress. Do you, creators of Don't Fuck With Cats? But here's what I I wanted to go with the distraction this week. I'm not sure I really cared for the story. I don't really care even for anyone you met in the story. They all seem fine, but it's not like there's a, a bizarro breakout star that you just can't take your eyes off of for whatever reason. I just really like when like Reddit <laughs> is trying to to solve mysteries. And I don't I was I started to think about other examples of this from my life and and just what really captivates me about these these people rolling onto the internet just with all the, you know, the fire in their bellies, just thinking they can do it better than the authorities or they they've got it. Uh, you know, they've got the answers at their fingertips. If they can just, you know, dive into message boards and, uh, Google image searches, you know, and reverse Google image searches and all this other stuff. Um, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, but I always find that journey to be fascinating. So a couple examples of what I'm talking about. Remember when that plane went missing? Yeah. (laughs) That plane went missing that one time, like out in like South, uh, Southeast Asia, maybe or Indonesia. Um, and ultimately I think they've, they've, I I read a really compelling, uh, piece of journalism that kind of put the onus on that on a rogue pilot who just flew him into the sea, which is super startling for someone like me who flies like damn near every week. But what I really found fascinating about that was that, that, that moment in time when like everyone was trying to solve this mystery and people were like just using Google earth, just like scrolling over the ocean, like looking for shrapnel, I remember Courtney Love, <laughs> like 90s rocker, Courtney Love, um, sharing what she thought were great leads, like, that was crazy, like, that's, it's, it's hilarious, um, and I think it, I think it can be really funny, uh, to watch, but I, I, I just love that kind of frenzied, everybody's trying to solve, solve this shit, Let, let's get on it, makes me wonder if, like, DB Cooper had happened in this day and age, <laughs> how would people be using Reddit uh, to try and solve the case? And there have been other more serious examples. I remember after the Boston Marathon, which is clearly terrible, and a lot of people were going and sharing images from the crowd, like Getty images of just people in the background looking for suspicious people. And I think there's a really fine line with that. You, know? uh, you don't need to go watch Richard Jewell 10 times to you know we have a really bad habit of sort of pinning blame on people. Prematurely, And that can only be fueled by the internet. I'm, I'm more talking the quirky stuff or the other thing that I really love is when like celebrity burner accounts get, get found and then people start to trade, trade notes. Oh, could this be, you know, could this be Kevin Durant or could this be so-and-so celebrity or, or so-and-so personality? I think Slate had a recent thing where they were trying to uncover some different like online burners and stuff. I love that stuff too, man. I I just love a good everybody's on the internet. We got this. We you know, we're we're doing this trying to solve some of these quirky things that happen. So, if you have other examples of this, let me know. I I'm happy. I'm more than happy to go down the rabbit hole. Of this, and I I think you're only going to see more of this as just people become more online by habit, and in this cold case culture, you know, whether it's podcasts, true crime series, whatever. I think everybody's got this, got this desire to kind of like solve these things. Like the clock is always, the clock is never expired on something. People think they can go back in time and solve. So if you're doing that tonight, if you're if you're cracking the case on something, God bless you and 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 good luck. (laughs) Okay speed of good luck wishing nothing but the best to Redskins long snapper Nick Sundberg who joined us to talk about loads of love again he told us a few ways to get involved and try and help just amazing that they've taken that from random idea on the couch they ran into to um, now all over the uh, DC Maryland uh, Northern Virginia area making a lot of impacts in schools and look I think some of you might hear these interviews and be like oh you're just gonna you know, roll on a guy out to give him a free platform to talk about his charity Yeah, who cares? Of course. (laughs) Why not? Like, there's only so many (laughs) Star Wars themed episodes I can do. And I do think a lot of these athletes um, are putting a lot of effort into it. Nick's not just cutting checks. He's in the schools. He's trying to figure stuff out. (laughs) He's talking to people about, do we need to reroute some PVC pipe? to get a dryer in here. So God bless them and uh, keep up the good work. And uh, you know, if there's other athletes that you've run into that are doing really interesting novel things in the local community, always feel free to hit me up at just not sports at Gmail. Uh, just not sports on Twitter, just not sports on Instagram. I'm slow on my Instagram. I'm sorry. I post the shows and then I, I, I post about it like a week later on Instagram. That's just, uh, that's my bad. Most of my Instagram is my personal account. Just like, you know, shit with my kids. Uh, so, anyway, that is the show. we got great new shows coming up. We're talking watercolors. Might be doing some uh, look backs at the decade that was and media trends. Uh, so, a number of potential guests in the pipeline, excited to share with you. So, stick around for that. And in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, Booty Rappers, stay booty.